Hey guys, welcome to the show. And so today's special guest is Weston Boucher. He is a menswear designer, model, and a men's self-improvement YouTuber. Welcome to the show, Weston. Thank you for having me, Kamani. I'm really grateful to be here. The opportunity to speak with you is going to be awesome because um, everything you do is kind of in line with a lot of stuff I talk about on YouTube. So excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for this too. And so we have a bunch of good stuff planned for today, a lot of great topics that we're going to touch on. And so before we hop into that, though, could you take a little bit of time to tell the audience about yourself? Uh, what would you like them to know about you? Um, I would say, uh, so I don't spend too much time. I've had a multitude of different careers. I'm 41 now, and but I've always been in the creative fields and kind of where I'm at now, like you said, I am uh, have a lot of overlap with what I do and it's all kind of complimentary. So I did modeling work professionally for a good 10 years. I still do it, but that kind of led to the YouTube channel, starting that, letting guys know how to get into the modeling industry, which turned into talking about self-improvement, getting into deeper topics, you know? Um, and then the menswear line also came later after the YouTube channel because it is kind of um, my wheelhouse, right? Like it's, I've worn a lot of brands over the years and I have perspective on kind of what I think clothing should be for guys and styles. And so it all just kind of came full circle. And now it all, like I said, layers together and uh, complements each other. And I'm uh, just learning in all those areas still. So it's been fun. <laughs> Yeah, and that's great that it could all kind of stack up on each other to where it's all somewhat related. Yeah, you, you just don't know where life's going to take you. You just be open to opportunities. And um, I would have never dreamed that I'd be doing any of the following or the what aforementioned. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And so I guess to hop into the first question, uh, the main topic that I figured that we could touch on today is total body health. You know, so of course, physical health is something that's very important for your livelihood, being a model and everything. But mm -hmm. besides the obvious physical effects, what would you say are some of the other benefits that you say come from working out and having the right diet, like what you talk about on your channel? Yeah, um, on the surface, if, if someone isn't kind of um, an active person or they've just never even had a gym membership or been interested in that, it can seem like kind of a superficial thing, right, to pursue, to just be working out and looking in the mirror and seeing if you can get uh, your body to look a certain way. Um, but what I came to find is that whenever I wasn't working out and whenever I wasn't eating right, um, my biochemistry ultimately was just out of balance. And I can tell the difference because I've been on the other side of it and compared. And for me, it's um, the endorphins that come and then just generally like you're going to feel so much better because your body is in more optimal state um, of, of how it functions, right? Like you're, you're eating to complement the way you're working out. So your body's kind of in this clean state, right? Almost like a vehicle when it gets regular oil changes and you put in really premium fuel, like it's going to perform good and it's going to be consistent, right? And that's how I feel like I don't feel mentally as consistent if I'm not working out like this something about the sweat effect um, translates directly into um, whether I feel more depressed one day or I feel way more positive. Um, I saw a direct correlation between that. Um, so I feel like working out and being active while combined with good sleep. It's like this awesome combo that, that really is so beyond aesthetic. It is 100% for me. I, I, I have to stay on top of it because I'm prone to depression, not like extreme, but enough to where I can really tell that I'm just not my best version, best version of myself. Yeah. 
So I can definitely relate to that you know, as far as how it makes you feel whenever you work out. I know whenever, at least whenever I first moved out here to Houston for my job, I started off uh, doing weightlifting and that was mainly an aesthetic type of thing. But one thing that I did notice is that it did boost my mood and my overall energy throughout the day, uh, along with being paired with eating right. I noticed that whenever I would eat good, healthy food, clean food, I would have much better energy throughout the day. But if you eat something like, let's say McDonald's or uh, Raising yeah. Cane's, I don't know if they have, do they have Raising Cane's out there where you live? They don't, but it sounds tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. You should uh, you should try it someday if you ever come to I, Texas. I will, I will. Yeah, but um, I can definitely relate, like I was saying. And uh, one thing that I also noticed, I recently uh, got out of weightlifting and started doing Muay Thai. And so it's oh, nice. more cardio based. And so I would say that ever since I've done that, I've definitely felt a lot better. And besides, you know, the obvious uh, physical effects, like, you know, cutting down on fat and things like that, but also uh, my skin has definitely cleared up some. And so there are definitely just a lot of benefits that I've noticed that come from working out, the ones you mentioned and more. Yeah, I mean, um, in addition to, you know, mental, I, I definitely think that too, if you think like long, long game, long run, um, your organs, your everything that's going on in your body long term, maybe a lot of things that you can't see are the human body is incredibly resilient. And you might not find out until you're 50 or 60, or maybe your whole life you worked, and then you finally retire. And then all that decades of, of neglect catches up to you in that one moment and now your health is gone when you have an opportunity to finally be free of working and you can just be with either maybe at the time you know when if you fast forward your grandkids or whatever be with all your friends they're all retired too but you lost your health because you didn't think about how food and proper exercise and diet was going to be long game not just how good you looked you know uh, you know, like you said, the skin and, and your body and muscles like that's, that's great. That's a bonus. You look better in clothes and whatnot. But there, there are tons of layers to think about um, for the total body health, for sure. Right. And I think so many people miss that portion of that you're just talking about how it's not just about how you feel now, but that can have side effects in the future. I can give you yeah. like uh, one example, I guess. So this is something that I'm kind of new into as well, as far as looking into my diet and making sure that I'm getting different nutrients that are supposed to serve different functions within my body. But I listened to another podcast that was along the lines of this type of thing that we're talking about now. And one of the things that they mentioned that we should make sure is in our diet is something I think that's called EVA oil. And so it comes in like peanuts, coconut oil, that type of thing. But apparently it, re it replenishes some sort of lining that's within your brain and it can help to prevent Alzheimer's as well as other types of, um, I guess, diseases that you can get in the brain. And so that was something that I had never heard of before, but yeah. it just kind of got me thinking about how when you're just eating, you know, the same three, four foods every week or something like that, that you're really doing your body a disservice, not just now with your energy and how you feel, but in the future, whenever you're old and gray. Yeah, that's super interesting. I hadn't heard about that either, but, you know, as science continues to um, discover more things about the body and how we respond to nutrients. It makes you realize how, first of all, choosing like nutrient dense foods is super important, but then also the how dynamic your diet is, right? Like there's so many fad diets. Um, and then there's also diets that are very exclusive, you know, whether it's like keto or vegan or pescatarian, like they're just 
by saying no to something, you have to definitely know long-term, well, we don't know long-term about a lot of stuff, whether or not like moderation and variety actually serves the body better, you know? And I, and I understand and I respect people who don't want to eat things for ethical reasons, or maybe they have extreme allergens um, in those cases. But if you do have the ability to where your body agrees with most things, I find that like a diverse diet is probably in our best interest just in terms of how crazy food is in terms of how it delivers nutrients and how one thing can be so rich in something and the other thing doesn't have any of it. Right. So. Right. And yeah. for those people that have those special diets, like let's say somebody's vegetarian or vegan, I think that's something they should definitely consider, you know, that certain nutrients that they might get from meat or other things they cut out of their diet. They have to make sure that they find supplements for that because at least from my perspective, uh, I'm pretty sure we're supposed to eat a full range for food when it comes to meats, vegetables, and all types of things. And so, like you said, if someone makes an ethical decision, they just need to make sure that they have something to counter that diet that they're totally. eating right now. And yeah, and the fact that even if you are dynamic, a lot say you need to supplement still because the food now is supposedly less nutrient dense than it used to be based on the way they farm land, letting the soil rest seven years or something like that. So <laughs> Yeah, it's like health is, um, we're at a place where we are more informed than we ever have been. Um, but the plethora of options can be pretty overwhelming. So that's why I say like, if you're not sure, um, try to stick with whole foods at the end of the day, natural sources, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. And so speaking of options, um, just speaking from your experience, what would you say are some easy tips that you give for clean eating? Uh, what, what tips did you give to make it easy for guys to, uh, to get into and to also make the food taste good? Because I know that's one thing people yeah. are concerned about when it comes to eating healthy, if it's something that they can actually stomach. For sure. Um, I think that's also um, the fear, right? When you, you, you say, oh, I want to get healthy, but now I'm going to eat just chicken and rice the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> and there is something to that. There's, that's a reason why physique competitors will often go on those super high protein diets and they'll eat um, just rice, oats, uh, sweet potatoes, um, asparagus, um, because they serve a function and they, they can get you lean extremely fast, but they get extremely boring. Um, Although those things are still part of my diet, I am a major foodie and I love snacking and I love eating out. I'm just, I love food in general. And so um, there's so many ways to kind of still make a super tasty meal by finding a plethora of hot sauces that you love, first of all. Um, but to make things, you know, more, they're just easier to do for clean eating all week. I would say, think about just eating really well Monday through Friday to serve the purpose of your training for ample protein and clean carbs, like cutting out sugars all week, aside from fruit. What you can do is if you have a Costco or a similar store nearby, it's like buy the frozen fruit in bulk that are going to go in your protein shakes. Um, you know, buy your almond milk in bulk because it lasts a long time. Your chicken as well uh keep that in the freezer and then you have like a george foreman style grill where you use that to pretty much cook all your meats extremely quickly and you know get a big one so that you can make enough in advance to where you could eat monday through friday and it's not going to spoil by the end of the week so you got you have the grill going right with either with your your meat of choice they also have these awesome like salmon burgers which sounds gross because i'm not a huge salmon fan but they're super good there's a lot of there's a lot of options at least in terms of the bulk uh, protein. 
And then um, while you're doing that, like let's say I'm grilling my meat, I have um, my Instant Pot doing my rice within like 20 minutes and that's, that's good to go. Sweet potatoes are already ready to go. You could do that in a microwave and put it on potato setting. That's done if you want another carb right off the bat. And then oats in the morning with like honey and maybe some almond butter in it. Um, those are things that are just like, they're, they're not complex. Like they're, they're pretty much ready to go, um, in terms of the quick meal. And then I'll do like a flank steak. So I'll work in beef, um, because my body will just crave it at some point during the week. And so I'll do that. Um, maybe on like a Friday night or something for something different, but I generally will do eggs in the morning. Um, I do eat the yolks. It's not just egg whites. Um, but if you, you want to cut your fats, you can do that. You got your healthy um, fats with your avocados. Um, so most of this stuff, I guess what I'm saying, not without rambling, is that it's not like reinventing the wheel. It's just like a lot of just really clean source uh, proteins and fats and carbs. And, you know, like I mentioned, the frozen fruit. Um, those are the things that during the week, if you can stick with those basics, um, they're going to keep you lean enough to where on the weekends, you can still splurge a little in my experience. All right. And, uh, you mentioned the salmon burgers. I've, I've actually never heard of those, but I'll have to try it. It sounds like it's pretty good. Cause I'm actually a salmon fan. I buy okay. it like in the giant pack from HEB. That's like the grocery store down here in Texas. And I'll okay. bake the whole thing in the oven, but the salmon burger though, that seems like something I want to do. And you talked about the instant pot. I feel like that changed the game for me because yeah. all the stuff that would normally take like maybe hours or at least, you know, 30, in 45 minutes to cook, you mm -hmm. put it inside of the instant pot and, you know, I can cook rice in there in like four or five minutes, something like that. Uh, all types of other meats, making them tender within like probably Moist, 20 yeah. minutes. And so it's just made things so much easier, especially with that not being a main focus for me. I'm not uh, someone that necessarily likes to cook. But having right. it to where it speeds up the process makes it to where I can uh, cook things in bulk and eat throughout the week without having to worry about cooking every day. Yeah, I mean, you can take Sunday afternoon and be done with it in 45 minutes, maybe, and then you'll have your most of your meals for the week because you can do the eggs in the morning like on the fly, right? And the oats are just as quick while the eggs are cooking. So it's really just like the lunch stuff and maybe dinner um, that can be tough. But it's like I said, you have the rice and, and chicken or whatever your protein of choice is for lunch. And then at night, like you can switch your carb for like, um, like I said, a sweet potato, which is super nutrient dense and great for, you know, post-workout as well. And then you have your, your protein shakes in between as well that you can do and they're still tasty. So you have the hot sauce that makes it good. You have grilling that makes it uh, tasty or instant pot that keeps it nice and moist. And so it's all about like garlic salt and um, seasonings that don't have um, a ton of additional salt on top of that. Just if you have, I, most of the time I'm just using garlic salt, you know, and it's just, and, and pepper, and it, you don't really need that much to take, make it taste that good. And then you can put some uh, Greek yogurt on it as a sour cream substitute, which I do, it tastes amazing. And then I always put hot sauce on everything. So I don't know, I'm in San Diego, so I just love spicy and hot stuff. <laughs> all, right, all right, and so to change gears a little bit, we talked about the uh, different effects that come from physical fitness, eating the right diet. And I know one of those things is also the boost they can give you to your confidence. 
And so how important is it to one success to have confidence and where are some of the tips that you'll give guys to build it? Yeah, I did actually um, a YouTube video on this a couple videos back. Um, and it was all about how self-improvement kind of boosts confidence because you're investing in yourself, right? And you start to, you know, you're feeling yourself like when things are going good and you feel like you're making progress, like it's it's just motivating and it's compounding effects, right? So right. I, I'm all about refinement and like making the best version of yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not narcissistic. Uh, because when you have, when you fill yourself with energy and you fill yourself with confidence, you have more to give to people in your circle and beyond. And I don't feel like if you don't have confidence, I feel like you have less impact because you are ultimately less influential. People can, can see the difference between you being authentic and genuine and real. And it doesn't mean you have to be, um, overconfident and, and arrogant and cocky or something like that. I just mean that when you're okay in your own skin, people are going to feel more relaxed around you. And they're going to feel like when you talk to them, you're being most likely more genuine with your responses and you're not putting on a mask or behind a wall or saying something that's uh, they just want to hear maybe, you know? So I think with building confidence, it's about reconnecting with yourself, being okay with who you are, not like comparing all day long while scrolling through social media and, and seeing how different everyone else is and what they're doing, what they have or what you don't have. It's about like getting excited about the things that you like, embracing the things that you like, not being ashamed um, to have those interests or whatever it is, just like do you, you know? And, um, but I would say that it does start with a self-improvement because if you're not taking care of yourself, like people are going to notice that and they're not going to think that you value life and who you are and, and your health and stuff. It's just, it's a reflection, right? And I, I tend to see people that are less worried about um, self-improvement. They're, they're more um, introverted and um, isolated and they're not as social. They're not as community connected, I guess you would say. Um, and I wonder about that correlation. Like I think about how um, if you feel depressed or you feel insecure or you don't like the way you look, you're going to probably have less tendency to be out and about, to be more outgoing, to be more social, to be, to exude confidence. So I think that doing something as simple as like getting a regular haircut, out of the barbershop and to just um, wear clothes that you feel like you look good in and, um, you know, eat good, get good sleep. So you have good energy and you have, you can engage with people or you can engage with the things that you like because you have focus because you are taking care of yourself. I think that all those things compound to, to have confidence. I think you have to step into who you are to take ownership of who you are and, and not, feel like you lack anything. You're like, I'm good. Like, I, I like, I like where I'm at, not just because of how someone looks, you know, it's what they exude. Okay, so just to, um, just to recap on what you're talking about, just to make sure I cover everything, uh, the main pieces of advice that you give are to one, do the self improvement. And two, from there, use that to live an authentic life. And then you said that the third thing was finding things you like, um, you know, like connecting with like hobbies and things, because those are going to um, affirm your abilities and your interests and the way you're wired, right? Like when you get into those things, 
that that's going to give you identity in some some stuff that you're you're all about that you really like right um and i think i talked about it in my recent video about the self-improvement thing um and i'm like having self-awareness about stuff and it's like yeah i'm self-aware that i'm i'm a model but i i got into model way modeling way later in life when i was 32 so if you google like before and after of me you'd be surprised that like i've put in a lot of work to be camera ready for this job or whatever and it comes with benefits because i feel like i'm in good shape and um my skin's healthy and stuff and there's and i've learned about style so it's kind of cool and those some of those things can seem superficial but it has boosted my confidence and um but i but i wasn't i i was still confident most of my life like i wasn't just because i i um, wasn't a model yet or knew a lot about style i was still okay with who i was um despite aesthetics um so i i just don't want anyone to think that like it's it's just because it's so much easier to talk about um, being confident if, if you're where I, I'm currently at with the things I do. It's like the, all of it has been so much work, you know, so much like looking at myself and being humble and being like, I don't have it figured out and I don't have, I'm not where I want to be still. And like, I'm always trying to be the best version of myself, no matter what. One thing that you just mentioned that was, uh, I guess that stuck out to me you talked about even during the process before you got to the points where you wanted to be you're still confident in who you were and so this makes me think that you know even though you may not have been in a position where you wanted to be you still found some i guess you could say a sense of contentment in the fact that you're working towards being that better person that gave you confidence is that what you're saying it did and um but i should clarify that it was more about me being confident um, about being Weston and not me being confident about Weston who uh, achieved this one thing or achieved uh, this career or is crushing it in that career. Because as guys, I think especially, it's very hard to not put value on that. Like once I succeed at that and I'm known as that for that, now I have value or I can feel affirmed in that. But, you know, when you when people die and they have their eulogy and I even, I was blown away when I think I looked through some of your lists on your previous podcast. I think you talked about something like, well, people say about you when you die. And that was so interesting. Cause I had said something at the end of one of my recent uh, videos about like a eulogy, like people will talk about your character. People will talk about the person you were, what it was like to be around you, how you made them feel is how, they'll remember you. It will not be because of the accomplishments and the titles you held. And so I think that's what I meant is that when I connected with people over the years in my life, I thought about the affirmations of how we connected as people and how I could tell that I made them feel welcomed and how we could talk about things in, in, in life. Um, it wasn't about me uh, having achieved my um, e egotistical pursuits, I guess. And, you know, it's actually great that you bring that up. And yeah, I did make an episode about that recently talking about the legacy that you leave, how you'll make people feel, and also what would be said at your funeral at the end of the day. And, you know, one thing that you touched on, I think is actually very key when it comes to building a strong sense of self and building confidence is not tying your identity or self-worth to the external, but to the internal, which is those values and that character that you talked about, right? And another thing I would also tie into that is how uh, something that you have to do to 
get to that point to where you're confident in who you are is making sure that you aren't dependent on what other people say or think about you to, I guess, build that image that you have of yourself, not always yeah. comparing yourself to others or to their expectations, right? Right, because it's such a great point. Um, because I was thinking about as you age, right? Like you're the same person when you're in here and just this external just changes over time. You age, you age, right? And you get old, um, but that same person's still in there, right? And all these external things are changing over the years and you go through different careers and you lose things and you lose people and you get to the end and it's like, can you imagine thinking that you wasted time worrying about all those things that were just so finite right um that you worried about that job in that career that you lost when you were in your 30s and you thought it meant the world um or that you spent a good portion of your life trying to make your parents happy because you felt like you needed to prove something to them instead of doing something you wanted to do or whatever right and i'm not just thinking about myself thinking about other people in my life where i've heard stories so a hundred percent man it's like it's just hard to do that. And I, I'm not saying I got to figure it out. I mean, it's just, it's really hard. We're very impressionable beings. And I think it's just tough to not, um, like I said, compare and to um, be impacted at least in terms of decision-making every day. It's pretty hard to just make pure hundred percent authentic, genuine decisions without having influence from all these outside factors. It's a journey, you know, maybe I'll figure it out towards the end, but <laughs> making progress in the meantime, I guess. Yeah, I think one thing that also contributes to it, you know, at least in modern times now is the effects of social media, because you know, everyone yeah. feels the need to post everything and you see everything someone else is doing. And so Probably it kind of gives you like the inclination to see how you match up or compare it to others, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think years from now, we'll see what the effects were on the human race it, this is the first time in human history they've ever you know that humans have ever been subject to this new beast of like uh influence it, literally it just never existed to this degree in this format and i think that that has implications like we just don't know um and we'll see with generations as they move on um because i i had you know, when I was younger, like social media didn't exist. So but now I'm experiencing so I'm in this like transition phase of seeing it and how the youth is compared to how I was. And it is like super interesting just how um, socially incapable people are. Um, they're just not good at talking to each other like with like they, they just struggle to talk about deeper things. Um, and I think that um, the the face value of so much that we see of everyone's highlight reels, like all the best moments are pretty much what people share. And if there's, then there's the few that just like use it as a, I'm a victim platform. And then they're just constantly like, they'll just post like, I'm sad, you know, and they don't say anything. Cause they're just waiting. They're baiting for somebody like, what happened? Are you okay? You know? And I feel bad. Like that, that that's where we're at, where we're like not very um, socially mature um, because it's just a dangerous road to go down because we're all like crazy connected, but couldn't be further apart in, in reality. Yeah, I see what you mean. And um, uh, you talked about how we'll see the effects of it in the future. And yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the results of all this are, but I've even seen some research that's, uh, that's been created now, you know, where people talk about some of the effects, you know, just within the past, what I think 10 years that it's existed, 
if that maybe but um yeah. people like adam grant cal newport and other uh, professors have talked about the effects of social media and then a few books that i've read uh, such as like deep work and another one that cal newport wrote digital i'm blanking on the title of it but it just talks about uh, how you know the lack of focus and everything that comes from you know being in this age of cell phones and everything leads to where people just don't create quality work people don't develop the skills that maybe our parents or our grandparents had developed and so it's interesting that you touch on that and i know one of the things i also heard on a podcast that was featuring adam grant talked about how social media has boost narcissism as well as other uh, personality disorders because it i guess feeds into that it does i mean i it's funny i'll notice things like I do a lot of this um, for for my line of work. I have to post um, to to build my business, you know. And I will see a lot of people, whether they're acquaintances or even family or close friends, and they are posting way more than me by like a long shot. And it's like I have this incentive, right? That's like you would think I'd be outpacing them by a long shot. But I find that I'm just more tired of doing it. And I want more real connection, more authenticity. But I find that maybe maybe it's because um, the drug of attention can just affect people uh, like they're the allure, it maybe isn't something that they experienced yet in life. And now this attention is this new drug that they really like, and they just buy into it. And they're literally counting their likes and they're blown away if they get a certain amount. And that's like, I, I don't, I don't even care at all. And I'm, I'm the one that I think should care, right? Like I should be the most concerned because it's monetarily affecting me. But, um, I feel like with age, um, I just care less and less. I, I, I think that I care less about, again, my ego stroking my ego and all that stuff. And I really, um, are I'm valuing different things. Um, but it's, uh, it's weird uh, to me because I see it with really young people and even super old. <laughs> it's like really strange that people can get like really addicted to the social media. And I'm not, I'm not like above it. Like I still had my seasons where, it, you know, but there they got to a point where it was like, wow, it doesn't matter how many followers you get. Eventually you will still feel empty at the end of the day. If you like place your um, value in that. I can definitely see where you're coming from. And I think one thing to also consider, uh, and I forgot where I read this, but one thing that it mentioned is that people who are, I guess you could say, doing more in their life that are living more fulfilling lives, they tend not to get as much of the quote unquote value from social media. And the reason why is because I guess that validation or whatever words you like to use is probably not the best word that you would get from social media you get a richer sense of it from the accomplishments that you have in your real life. So probably from you building your business, from seeing the impact that your videos are having on young men and reading your comments, that's probably giving you that, those endorphins or that, I guess those positive feelings that people get from social media because you know the sad truth about it is that not a lot of people do much in their life to get that sort of recognition outside of a platform like Facebook or mm -hmm. Instagram. That's a good point, that word recognition. Um, I think that's enough for me. Like that's that's probably why I feel like at peace about stuff. Like I don't need to constantly check my phone and see any, how many likes or how well the latest video is doing. Like 
I, I care in the term in the terms of I'd like to reach more people because I, I hope that it helps more people um, based on some positive impact I could have on their life. But I can immediately post something and just like just set my phone down. I'm just back in normal life. Like I, I won't even think about it again. Like I'm good. Um, and I and I like being in that place because I don't. Yeah, I don't need the um, the validation necessarily. But it does feel good to be recognized. But again, because it's a detached place, like I don't know everyone on a personal level, it's a little bit easier, I guess, to um, compartmentalize. Like I'm way more concerned about what my best friend thinks about, about me or my girlfriend, Katie, at the end of the day, you know, because I uh, there's like trust and respect built there where everything else is uh, very detached, you know, not that I don't, not that I'm not extremely grateful for the opportunity, but it again, it's not who I am. I'm just connecting with people virtually and it's an opportunity that I don't want to waste at all. I'm going to be careful about what I say, what I put out. I want um, it to be uh, something with su substance in a sea of questionable content out there that doesn't really bring a lot of value to people. Right. And being able to take that stance, I mean, to be able to get to the points where you can have this sort of outlook where and not all opinions may matter to you. You have to have a strong sense of self, a strong identity to have that. And so to hop into the topic of identity, on one of your most recent episodes, actually, I think it was your most recent one, you talked about struggling with identity. And so could you give the listeners a quick breakdown of some of those negative habits that you see guys fall victim to uh, when they're trying to build their own identity or sense of self? Yeah, I would circle back again to... Um really embracing who you are not being like people will think I'm cool if I do this and this and this it's fine if you're into some of those things right like if you think you have to have a super nice car but you also are really into cars and you really enjoy like a fast car or something with performance then I don't I mean it just complements where you were already headed anyways right but the identity thing that I started off in the video was I was like some people you can just go to their their bio and obviously see that like what they lead with is what they are attaching their identity to. Um, it's hard when you have like the hybrid, right? Of like people who are using it for a business, like let's say me, right? Like if I have a business page or my modeling page on Instagram, it's gonna say like my, my menswear line and then the modeling agencies I'm with. So it's like, okay, this guy's a model, not my identity, but if it was my personal page, I would probably just mention some things I'm interested in, right? So you have people where it's like, I'm vegan or I CrossFit or whatever. I'm, I'm Catholic, I'm atheist, um, whatever. Like it just could be all these different things, right? And I feel like identity is, I'm finding at least it's beyond that stuff. Like, like I, I'm a Christian and it's my faith. And like I had a comment yesterday on that recent video and he's like, so you're saying that identity is found beyond Jesus? Huh? Like he was like being condescending, you know, and it's like, no, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm saying that like, you can take anything out there in the world. And you can put so much of your identity into it that you will lose yourself, including really good things, including something as like, next level <laughs> as your faith, you know, what you believe in for your entire world view, right? And I, what I was saying is that 
there's people in my experience and myself included, like when I became a Christian, I thought that I needed to do all these things to fit in to be a Christian. And then I, if I wasn't doing that, and I'm not talking about like good and bad and, or anything like that, but like, it looks a certain way based on my perception. And so I lost touch with who I was in many ways, not with things that were ever toxic or bad in my life, but you could, you can pour yourself into something that's even good. And, and I'm not saying that like faith shouldn't be tied into your identity um, because it may be your source of how you make decisions about right and wrong and where you place your value and whether it's afterlife related or not bigger topics. But I do think that like at the core, you have to be really careful about if you lose whatever is the biggest thing to you right now, are you still you at the end of the day? Like I strip all my titles away. I I'll get by, like I'm good. I've, like I said, I've had other careers and I will just figure something out. I'll be bummed and I'll grieve the loss, but I won't be like, who am I after that? You know, if I never model again, fine. Um, if I, my YouTube channel gets demonetized and uh, banned for some reason, cause I say something in a video in the future. Okay. Like I'm not, it's not going to be the end of me. And so I, I say that, um, hopefully I didn't get too off topic, but the steps and the stuff that guys will do, or just people in general, I think is when you, when you become your labels or you become the things that you do that that's the fine line, right? Like you got to ask yourself, if you lost those tomorrow, would you feel like you are completely just like, you know, you're, you're directionless all of a sudden. And so, crush you. Yeah. and so you would say that the lesson here is to attach yourself to internal things, things you can control, not the title or anything like that, because the title can always change. And as long as whatever you do aligns with that internal character, those internal values, you'll always be who you are, despite, let's say, losing a job or losing a relationship or criticism or anything like that, right? Yes, that, that you have to remember how your the people that love you most in your life, how, how they view you, like they, again, it's the eulogy thing, right? Like it doesn't, they're still like, I just love you for you. Like that you have value regardless of those labels, those identities, those careers, those titles, or whatever you have attached so passionately your identity to, you know? Yeah, Cause it's like, I, I get super into things and I could just be, go down a rabbit hole for a decade into something. Um, and I could easily just get so attached to that. And if I lose it, that's very scary, right? Um, you just because you can't help it, like it just becomes part of you. So I think that like finding that balance is really important of just knowing that you're not um, allocating too much of your your personal value to career interest, hobby, whatever. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes sense. And so if you don't mind sharing, uh, could you give the listeners an idea what the process is like for you to become strong in your identity? Like um, what were the uh, developmental steps you had to take? What were some of the catalysts in your life that led to you, you know, finally building that strong identity uh, to be who you are today? Um, well, I think it, uh, as I, I, I've talked about my videos that I, I, uh, have done therapy over the years. Um, and some of it was when I was going through my divorce. And then after that, it was more preemptive, I started to realize that we don't, 
we don't talk about these big issues or we don't think we need to talk to somebody about them until it's too late, like until we're like damage control, right? Right. So through doing therapy, like I discovered a lot of the things that um, may shape me who I was, was like as a kid, I grew up really fast and my parents weren't really in my life in an emotional presence, like in developmental stages uh, when you're a teen you're really trying to figure stuff out it was like there was so much diy and so from the beginning i always felt like i had to figure out stuff on my own and so i just became extremely resourceful because i had no other choice in my mind and i wanted to find answers for myself so i never really had people i looked up to i just I, there weren't idols for me that nothing i was just like i don't i gotta figure it out and i gotta find out what to do. And I, I just made stuff happen, basically. So from a young age, I, I think that I was able to um, solidify uh, who I was and what I was into and stuff like that, because I was taking lots of risks all the time, like I was having to put myself out there to find answers for the things I wanted. And when I was, I think, 20, that's just before I was about to get married. I had an awesome job. Um, I lived in a really nice apartment. Um, money wasn't an issue. Um, I was engaged to, um, you know, my ex-wife at the time. She was just beautiful, young. We were both young. And um, everything was essentially lined up in my life. At my age, like I had a huge edge. And I had done it all uh, myself, basically. And so I felt pretty affirmed like about all that stuff but I felt empty inside. I still, none of the worldly stuff, none of those worldly accomplishments or the things that you're supposed to have figured out when people look at you as like successful, it just, it didn't matter to me. There was just a void still, and it was inexplicable for me. And for me, that's, that's when uh, my ex-wife was, um, she's like, why don't you just go to church with me one time? And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, I, I'm like, they're going to see my devil horns the second I walk in. I know it. <laughs> so I had this vision of, of what I thought church was and stuff like that. And, and, and what's really funny about the story is I went and it, um, it was like a guest pastor or something. So she's like, oh, great. Some random guy. You don't even, it's not even the real pastor. He's not even going to listen to this. Um, and the message, I have no idea what he even talked about that day. But when, I don't know, it was probably like 40 minutes into it and I'm just like sitting there bored. And then I just felt like such an overwhelming feeling like overtake me where I just felt like I was just like breaking down, but like in such a, such a like um, beautiful way. Like I didn't feel embarrassed that I was like crying in my seat, but I was just to myself and I just felt so like hot, like I was like sweating. And she's looking at me, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I just felt like I came to the end of myself in that moment and call it coincidence, call it whatever. But for me, that moment, I was like, something different happened right then. And I was, I was just so humbled again, but it wasn't like a sadness. And from that moment, I needed answers. And so that's when I started like reading tons of books on faiths, all the different faiths, like worldviews, just dove in um, everything from atheism um, to Hinduism and everything in between. And I ultimately um, was trying to find satisfactory answers to meaning, morality, 
uh, destiny and origin, um, kind of four pillars of like explaining life to me. And those are the things that kind of where I ended up landing um, in a Christian faith. And, and it, I am, um, that's where there was a turning point because suddenly I was looking through life through the eyes of like, well, how, what's a Christ life like, like what is, how would he look at things, right? If he's, if, if God is love, right? Maybe if it's not even Christianity, but you still hold that view. What does it look like to look at people like that and to look at decisions like that? And it just, it changed everything for me because I, I always, it felt just to me. It felt like the right thing to do, but I wanted to do it. And so that has always been something that like in my early twenties that shaped everything moving from that point. Um, and it, I does not mean I have it figured out. does not mean that I don't fall short, like a hundred percent still do. And a hundred percent still have tons to learn. But I think that for people, you do have to find something bigger in this life for your compass. Like if you're, if you just have like, kind of like a, a relative, whatever works, whatever makes you feel good idea that will fall short eventually. And you will find yourself in a place uh, most likely where I did, where you will come to the end of yourself and realize that you're, there's something inside you that just longs for something with more depth. And I, I found um, through my faith that, that place. And um, it, again, I, I don't think that like the void from this life can ever be filled because I don't feel like it was designed to. I feel like I'm here to learn. I'm here for this journey and I'm here to like love others and um, try to do my best and I will fall short. But so we have grace for that. But I think that again, identity, like if you have some flexibility there with like the deeper meanings of it, um, instead of the external stuff, um, there's, there's just a, there's a lot to talk about in that topic, I guess. But the, I, I don't know if that was just kind of all over the map, but that was for me, like the, the biggest turning points, everything after that was just like, sure, career goals, pursuits, stuff like that. But how can, how could God use me in those places? Or how can I just try to be of value while I am here on this earth, you know? Uh, yeah, I think your answer was perfect. You know, it gives, I guess, the listeners some really good insight on who you are. So it seems like uh, your faith is the main driver behind, for one, your identity, who you are, but also what's most important to you in life. And, you know, it's, it's also made it to where by focusing on faith, uh, you don't put your focus on those external things that a lot of people will base their focus and identity on. And so it kind of saves you from having some of those same experiences other people might have, or they might not get that fulfillment because you find all that through Christ, right? I do. But in the same token, I would say that like, I'm also um, just like anyone else, like I'm, I'm subject to temptation and I'm subject to not making the right choices even to this day. And um, sometimes I'm not good about going to church, you know, very often. And um I still find interest in a lot of worldly things. And um, I don't think there's something wrong with that necessarily. But again, I feel like everyone has their journey and um, I would never judge anybody for where they're at in that spot. But I would say, don't be closed-minded, you know, like find answers for really massive things that are beyond what we see every day, you know, like, because it's just such a two-dimensional life otherwise. 
right? And I like the fact that you mentioned that because I feel like in a lot of cases, people forget to add the human element uh, to life. You know, as surprising as that may sound, but I remember you touched in it on one of your videos and talked about like the whole PC culture and everything. And, you know, of course, yeah. you know, with, with cancel culture too, they have a lot of instances where you know, people's old mistakes might be brought up. And, you know, mm -hmm. even though some of this stuff is, is definitely egregious, uh, there have been other instances where I've seen some of these situations happen and it kind of just makes me wonder, are these people that are, you know, spearheading, you know, the cancel culture or, you know, these movements to get people canceled, do they ever consider the human element? Do they ever consider the fact that people can, can change or that people can make mistakes? And it also makes me think, do these people think that they're just infallible, you know, as if they've never made yeah. any mistakes in their life. You might've heard that one story about some writer for uh, some magazine, or I think it was, that can uh, canceled somebody and then they ended up finding some tweets or whatever about her and then she got canceled. And so <laughs> I did hear that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, people people love a witch hunt until the witch hunt comes after them, you know? Like, that's that's what you got to remember, that we will all fall short at some point and you can only hope for the same grace when it happens to you. And everyone has deep, dark secrets. Anyone who tries to act like they don't is crazy, you know? It just hasn't, right. no one has found out yet, you know? Um, and we're not proud of certain things we've done. And um but we, we do have to have that like humility and that ability to not cast judgment, right? Like, right. That's exactly what Jesus was doing when he was talking about the Pharisees, like the Pharisees were the most religious and they were so holier than thou. And Jesus was like, you, you think you're all that, right? Like you think that you don't fall short either, you know, like Jesus was like bridging the gap to basically say like, we, we have to like support each other. We have to you know, no one can judge us but God, like, so we cannot judge each other at all. You know, I just, the what is happening in the world right now is is really discouraging. Like it gets to me a lot very often, um, because I, I can't stand things that are unjust. It's really just tough, you know. And so to see the imbalance of people letting their emotions run all their decisions just to run wild with it and that we can't conversate anymore that you can't talk to people um if they say a certain thing or they're just triggered instantly by it i find that people are extremely delicate now and that if we could keep our emotions in check we could really uh find a find common ground you know or just get to a place where we agree to disagree but we respect each other. Instead, I see just an atmosphere that is polarizing and what someone doesn't like, they will demonize and discredit that person or cancel them, like you said, um, if it's not in line with their worldview, which goes right back to the Pharisees, right? right. Like it goes back to like my way or the highway, you know? And that's just not how we are. We're all uniquely created, you know? Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And honestly, I think that the two things that have helped me with that, you know, because of course we're not perfect either, but the first thing was giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, I know different times where people might've said something that I might've been offended by. You know, the first thing that I try and assume is that maybe it didn't come out the way that they wanted it to, or, uh, you know, I guess at least look at, at the positive end of it and give them a chance to, I guess, somewhat, Recorrect. Yeah, re recorrect. And so, of course, I'll, I'll bring it up and I'll let them know how it came across to me. And if that's 
what they actually meant to say, oh, well, then that's unfortunate, but it at least makes it to where, you know, you don't get into the habit of automatically jumping and trying to point at somebody and say, oh, you're a bad person. And the other thing I would say that's uh, something I'm working on developing is empathy, because whenever you look at somebody and try and put yourself in their shoes, even though you, and you don't have to agree with what somebody did to have empathy, but it can at least let you kind of get into what their frame of mind might have been and why they made the decision that they made. And when you can look at it from that perspective and look at that human element, like I was saying before, it makes it pretty hard to, you know, be that cold, calloused or, or mean person or that, you know, person that's pointing the finger, if that makes sense. It does. And, and I think that this can all tie back to confidence and identity. If you feel confident and if you feel good in your identity, you should not be so threatened by things or views or people that don't think the same way as you. You can disagree with it, but it certain, certainly shouldn't push you over the edge to where you become childlike almost to where you can't um, conversate because you're so outraged that you can't even speak. Um, and I think that that's the hard part about politics becoming kind of pop culture and so accessible is that there's a lot of people that are just impressionable, naive, don't pay attention to a lot of the really big issues in depth at length, but yet they get involved because they hear a headline or a story or see a video and suddenly they hold a view on this really in extreme topic, right? And then they um, cause division between people that they know in their life over that. And that's sad. Like, I just think that, um, again, people just let emotion get the best of them these days. Um, no, you had a lot of good things to say. So I think that you made a really great point. That's a really great point. I think that's something that a lot of people uh, don't consider. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a weird time for sure. Um, I don't know where it's headed, but um, I just feel more and more division over things uh, every day, like the more stuff I read. So it's a bummer. And I think like things like us talking right now is is part of how we can bridge that, right? <laughs> right. Just like give a space where it's like, we're not heated in debate, you know, we're just like trying to say like, yeah, we we all hold a lot of different views. But we should not excommunicate people. Um, I understand when something is like pure violence or it's just completely infringing on someone's um, actual, you know, rights as, as a person. I get that. Like there's lines and boundaries, of course. I, I'm not dismissing that. But to um, completely demonize so many people in this world uh, for different views is just crazy to me. It shuts down conversation and we're, we're all living in this nation together. So <laughs> we got to figure right. out some, some way to like coexist. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's definitely part of the problem. People uh, not communicating because a lot of people get into the habit of only wanting to be around people who think in similar ways to them and they never hear the other side. And it makes yeah. it a lot easier to demonize this side when you never you know, even have to listen to their point of view uh, to see why they might think the way that they think. And so another thing, talking about identity, touching back on what you said about people getting so upset about certain things. The thing is, since people are tying their identity to these things that are external, like let's say, you know, whether they're Democrat or Republican or whatever else, or this issue that they feel so strongly about, when you tie your identity to an idea, something that can 
you know, that could be wrong you know, or maybe right. not necessarily accurate. It makes it to the point to where, let's say, if you get in a debate with somebody or a conversation with someone and they challenge it, since that's something that you've tied into your identity, you don't see it as if this is an opportunity to learn or to care about another perspective. You're taking this as a personal attack, it seems like. And I feel right. like that's a big issue, too. And it goes back to people not having a strong identity because someone that's solid in who they are, if you know that, you know, your values are, you know, confidence, integrity, something like that. And you know that a certain ideology that you subscribe to, it was just proven to you that doesn't align with those, those values that you have. Having that strong sense of identity can make it to where you can push it away. You know, that's not something that you align with anymore, but someone that's tying their identity into being a Democrat or being a Republican or anything like that. They can never have that that sort of moment, if that makes sense. Uh, yes, I totally agree, and I think that um, that's where the humility comes in. Like to get wisdom, you have to have humility. There's just no way because you'll never hear other voices. If you're le leading with pride constantly, it tunes out everything. There's no way to get new information or information that challenges you. When I first was dabbling in reading the Bible or reading books that I mentioned, they were all about different religions and faiths. The job I was working at, like I would get like kind of like poked at about it, you know, like kind of heckled about it. And I'm like, I'm just curious about it, you know, but I mean, they were so quick to dismiss, you know, and maybe even some people that might hear this podcast might be like, oh yeah, well, I could shut down your whole idea of Christianity in two seconds about theology because I know this and that. And it's all just a bunch of stories that someone made up. You know, like there could be that right in that that attack, and I've heard it so many times, but it doesn't doesn't even bother me anymore. Like it was it was threatening at first when I was like younger, and I didn't really know if like I had the answers yet. But even then, I took it and I took that energy, and I was like, I should know a response. I should have a response to my faith. I should be wise in the things that I'm going to invest in, and I should learn as much as I can about it. And so that's why I kept reading more books. That's why I kept comparing different faiths and stuff, because I didn't want to be a lemming or a sheep or someone that said they needed a crutch to have a worldview. And that's not why I have my faith, you know, is because of that moment I mentioned where it's inexplicable and only to me, it was personal. And I feel like God does have that interaction with people. It's about your testimony is where your, um, your strength is in your story about your faith. It's not because I can debate someone about theology um, till the ends of the earth, because we just don't have all the answers. We aren't all knowing if God exists. He's omnipresent. He's just everywhere and knows everything. And I've never been to the farthest reaches of the universe, so I can't tell you a whole lot. I only know about my little experience here, you know, having been born on planet earth. So it's like that humility keeps me open-minded to being proven wrong. Maybe someday there will be information or someone will tell me something that will dismiss my faith. I'll have to come face to face with that and I'll have to accept it as an adult and I'll have to wade through that. But if I react like a child because someone challenges me about my faith in the meantime, I think that tells me that I'm insecure about what I believe in ultimately. And like you said, like I have, I have uh, friends, family members where it's like, I intentionally don't engage in a lot of topics and they don't know certain things about me because I know that they like my relationship with them I'd rather just be the the bigger person it's like I still want you in my life so I'm really not going to get in those topics because I know that you're not going to be able to handle it like like I could talk for days about it and stay super cool as a cucumber like through the conversation 
but they are so intense about their views, whether it's political or religious or whatever, that I won't even do it because I know that they will not want me to be in their life in the same context anymore. And, and, and maybe I shouldn't, you know, like based on that. But for me, I love them more and I see past that. I see them for who they are. And I know that like they have, everyone thinks they're right about what they believe. Everyone thinks that they have the answer. Everyone thinks that like, this is it most, most of the time when they're, when they're in that state, right? They think it's the right thing. And so I keep that in mind and I know the intentions are, are probably good. So I see past it for the, the greater good of, of keeping the relationship, but everyone has to decide that for themselves, you know? Right. And I think that's good that you took that stance and I definitely agree. I've done that in different aspects of my life too, because I used to have a bad habit, I guess you could say of whenever I thought or knew that I was right about something, it didn't matter to me how uh, that could change the dynamics of my different relationships whenever I would bring that up and, you know, have those conversations. But something that I realized as I got older and, you know, lost friendships or, you know, had different falling outs with family members and things like that is that sometimes it's not always necessary to have those conversations, to, to be change that someone's mind. <laughs> yeah, to change someone's mind, to be that person that's right. I mean, with things that are very important, like let's say life or death situations or things that are that could be detrimental to a relationship or to someone's health, it's definitely a time where that type of thing should come up or whenever someone's open to that conversation and wants to hear what you have to say. But when it comes to just, I guess, trying to flex on people or you know, just be that person uh, that wants to be smarter than everybody else and boost your ego, that's when yeah. it just doesn't serve you very well. And it's not a good way to make a lot of friends. And also something else that you touched on a little bit, a little bit back, maybe a minute or so ago, you talked about how that person, whether it was at the office or wherever it was, challenged you on your Christianity. And so I think that's definitely a, a good thing. I'm, I'm sure that you're glad that that happened. But another thing that's good is the way that you reacted to it as well, because so many people might not ever really get a, a chance to actually be challenged on something that's, that's I guess, so instrumental in their life and identity. And then it's great that you reacted in that way to where you say, you know what, I should learn why I'm a Christian, why I follow this and that, why I believe that instead of just taking what the people around me say. Because the thing about it is that you can't really have true conviction you know, with something. You can't really get the full value from something. You can't offer that value to others if you don't even know why you do it in the first place. And so I feel like right. that's the same thing with politics. You know, where a lot of people, you know, will take a certain stance just because everybody else in their community and everybody else in their friend group says that's what it is. And nobody ever wants to do their own research. And part of that could be because of the instant gratification type of uh, society we live in now, you know, where you can, everything's just easy. No one ever wants to like actually study anything or put in work. But when you actually take the time to make sure that the stuff that you believe is actually based on facts or that, you know, it's something that actually makes sense to you, something that aligns with you. It makes it to where whenever you get in those type of situations, you don't have this, you know, crisis wherever of, oh, uh, I have to defend myself. You have, you have a strong foundation that you've built yourself on to where you can bring up credible points and to where you can have a back and forth. And then you can also be willing to listen to what they have to say and know what are the facts and what aren't. Absolutely. And I, I, um, I even try to make it a point now to 
on social media, like I follow all sorts of accounts. Um, oftentimes ones that I'm totally on in another lane then. And I think totally differently because I want, I don't want to be in an echo chamber. Like if I'm only hearing stuff that's affirming my own beliefs, I, I feel like I'm, uh, I, I'm being misled really because I don't have the the full picture. So to me, if I'm going to relate to people in this world, I need to um, not just, like I said earlier, when you, you could, some people can get into a certain faith and they lose who they are because they end up in this like tunnel vision, right? And they don't even know how to relate to the outside world anymore. Um, they might be closer to God, but they're further from being a tool for the very purpose why they're here because they can't interact and, and socialize um, because they're so out of touch with reality. And that's why I'll subject myself to um, seeing certain things or reading certain things that um, I might not agree with, or they even like offend me, but I'm not trying to cancel that person. Like I want them to talk. I want them to have their space. I want that, that, that I want to know that people can have their different views and they're not silenced for it. Um, even if I find it totally offensive or something out of line. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll comment or challenge um, on Instagram and stuff and say certain things where I'm asking them to engage, you know, and I'm being respectful. And you go to finish the comment and it says this person does not allow at comment replies. <laughs> and they'll be the ones that like drop some super heavy accusatory statement uh, towards someone else or even response to me. And then they don't even allow replies because they don't want to hear it. So they just set the setting on Instagram. That's what I'm afraid of in terms of the future of like where we're going, where it's like, wow, you're so delicate. Um, even though you sounded like you could, I would, I would imagine you would never say this to my face. Um, you know, when you're talking to someone just to another human, it's a lot harder to be that raw, right? Right. But they they drop this bomb, right? And then you go to reply and you can't even reply to them. So it's just like they go on about their merry way thinking they're right. And it, or even doesn't even matter who's right or who isn't. But the fact that they can't even communicate or be challenged for a second and they set it up that way, I see it more and more. It's crazy to me. Yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying. And uh, you talk about it being on social media. I've even seen it, you know, in, in conversation where people won't even want to even consider what you have to say. They automatically assume that if they believe it, it has to be, you know, 100% correct, that there's absolutely no credibility to any other side of an argument. And I hate that, but, you know, I guess lucky for me, that's not a constraint that I'm necessarily suffering from right now. I guess I'm, I, I guess you could say I'm somewhat even keeled, you know, to where I can listen to both ends of, of a spectrum and see what aspects of that might be correct and what I might not disagree, what I might disagree with and what aspects of the other side might be correct. Because honestly, when it comes to politics or really anything else, you kind of have to think for 50% of the population, uh, roughly to believe in something, 50% of people can't be idiots or racists or whatever. There has to be some sort of credibility, you know, to a degree, uh, you know, in everything that's that's an issue nowadays. And I think just taking the time to do that research yourself and learn those things can make it to where you can become more aware of that type of stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that will change or not moving forward, even though, like you said, um, the country's kind of split down the middle until the leaders, whether it's community based, nationally based, globally based until they start having these conversations, because 
they're the real influencers, right? Not like me. I have a YouTube channel and I can influence people. But um, you have celebrities uh, to world leaders um, to, you know, politicians and everything until those authority figures um, are having these conversations with each other. Um, it's going to be really tough because everyone else looks to them to, to just like affirm that belief, right? So right. if they like when when is um, I don't know, Anderson Cooper and Tucker Carlson going to be in the same room talking to each other on a debate on live TV. Like I, maybe that's not the best example for those two dynamically, but I'm just saying like in, until we're doing things like that, where we're, we're really challenging each other, there's no middle ground. It's just echo chambers over and over. And we will further divide um, on so many levels now that politics have become infused into kind of pop culture. Like it's different than it ever was. Like it's not, cause it's not just about politics now because it's, it's like fused into the whole worldview. It's like where you stand on issues is like, I'm choosing a side. And if you're not on this side, you're my enemy, which is crazy to me. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. I could, I could talk about this all day actually, but you know, out of respect for your time and for the oh, listeners, all good. I, I it's fun time, yeah. yeah <laughs> so I guess just to change gears a little bit you sure. know, before we start wrapping things up, uh, there was one more topic that I wanted to touch on because this is something that yeah. you've spoken about in your videos specifically, and it's self-care, not necessarily just, you know, skincare and those type of things, but mm -hmm. also you talked about going to therapy and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so I'm sure that you know that there's a stigma behind it, you know, among men where self-care, uh, like we're talking about, isn't seen as manly or it's seen as like something that's not needed. And so mm -hmm. what would you tell the men that think that? Um, I would say that, um, you know, it's it, as a guy, um, when you're masculine, you you do want to feel like you've got this, like you don't need to do that. Um, and that if you do need to do that, it's because you're crazy, right? Or you're unstable, right. or you're weak. Um, or it's just way too uncomfortable for a guy to get that deep and to have like, so there are guys that just talking about emotional things or anything about their past it's just like no thanks I'd, I'd rather like hang myself than sit with like a therapist and talk about what my dad was like as a kid right because it, it is so like the stigmas and all the associations to it I get that like they're they're bad you know but that hasn't been my experience it was the opposite and if I could go back I would have done therapy from a young age because if you end up in the room with someone who knows what they're doing, they're just leading you to self-discovery. Like they're not trying to fill your head with a bunch of stuff. And they're not just trying to go through the textbook uh, procedure of labeling why you are the way you are. They're just helping you to kind of like almost journal out loud. And um, it, it, to me, it's it was a turning point or it's, it was a moment of desperation that I had to go to therapy. Like I said, it was damage control. And I guarantee that if it hasn't happened already, that it will happen again or will happen, that you will get to a point in your life where you hit rock bottom and, or you don't have answers. Um, and you can always go to your friends or your family or other resources, right? Um, but to have someone that is in the room that's unbiased, that's the big difference, okay? This is this is why it's different. It's a third party 
they don't care about those people that are in your life. They don't know them most likely. And so they're going to give you um, a transparent response about, about what's going on. Like they can say, you know that that's like extremely toxic, right? Like that's so bad for you. Like what that's doing to you, that relationship or that habit or whatever, they can say that and it's not um, infused with bias. Like it would come from like a family member or a friend um, that's, or, or, you know, when you ask a family member or a friend about a relationship you're in, they are coming into it with a perspective of all sorts of background. They have information and that doesn't always work in your favor. So I think that, um, it's when you hit rock bottom that you end up considering it, but most people won't even do it. Then they still think they got it right. They'll read some books or whatever, but we do not have a manual necessarily for all these different things in life. Sure. If you are a person of faith, different faiths will offer tons of wisdom in those areas. But I do believe that um, God has, has created people to depend on each other. I feel like community and why we are social creatures is because this journey was meant to be lived alongside one another. And for us to learn from um, others' mistakes and trials and um, share views and things like that. And so I do believe there's therapists and stuff out there that are were made to do what they do. And they have incredible gifts to help us just like when we um, seek help for any other sort of um, profession or someone who's good at a trade. That's what I believe as well. And so when I went to get married and I was with my ex-wife 15 years, um, I who, who like told me how to be a husband and to, you know, what marriage is supposed to be like or whatever, you don't have a handbook. And so I do feel like you need some tools. You need someone to have your back and you need someone that's going to be able to help you speak aloud things that you wouldn't say in front of people that you know too well like you don't want to confide everything in the deepest darkest places so it's a place of release it's a place um for direction um it's a place uh to get you know clarity ultimately i think to to flush out the bad and to purge what you can and to just get that unbiased third party opinion, 100%. Um, so, so I would say, like I do my videos, look on Yelp, literally for you could look up um, therapists just straight up, and you'll see reviews from like real people, you know, just if you're like, want to dabble, do one session, just go once, like what's going to happen, right? It could change your whole life. Um, if you find a good therapist. So I, I do think that it is hard as guys, but it's more, people are more open to it than ever. I think now's the time where I think that like, if someone knocks you for that, I don't think they have your best interests in mind or they're just being guys and just write it off, be like, whatever, <laughs> you know, it's fine. I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna do me. Like you have the edge ultimately. It's, it's again, humility leads to that decision. You have to be humble to do that. People think they've got it figured out again. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't have, no one does. You're doing your best, so why not have someone in your corner to get you um, make the journey a little bit more smooth, or to help you recover from a really bad situation or incident? You know, I would be able to get through my divorce without having that voice, you know, to help me navigate life in that season, right? Yeah, I wish that. I, well, first, thank you for sharing, and I wish that sure, more yeah. guys would take that perspective because the thing about it is that. I feel like something that's definitely pretty common among men is that even though we may say I'm good, 
about this or that, or that it doesn't bother us. A lot of us may not realize it, but we tend to cope in ways that are unhealthy uh, to get past some of those things that you could, I guess, talk about in therapy to get help with, you know, where a lot of guys will drink or smoke or mm-hmm. the womanize or another thing is develop uh, cynical outlooks on life that affect their relationships and other aspects of their life to where they never do truly reach their potential socially or in any other aspect just because they have those those limiting beliefs or they have like this negative outlook on life and so a I voice like, of reason to intervene yeah right and so i feel like if more guys decide to go to therapy and get past the stigma of it it could serve so many guys in a way to where they wouldn't take on these bad habits and i can speak from personal experience and so there are definitely times in my life where things were not ideal at all. And there was a time where I hit rock bottom and I wasn't happy what was going on in my life. Some things had transpired that I never would have expected. And I'll yeah. say that uh, taking the time to, for one, I guess, humble myself and to go to therapy to see what it could offer to me, it definitely made a great difference. And I would say if it hadn't been for that, there would have been some, uh, there would have been some, Poor choices. <laughs> Poor choices, probably. Yeah. And, you know, deep-seated emotions that would probably, you know, still be affecting me today and affecting the way that I go about life and, you know, how I communicate with others and, you know, the type of friends that I'd be around. And so I definitely see the value in it and how it's uh, changed me. And so one of the things I'll say is that it stopped me from being, from having to, uh, I guess you could say, look to those negative things to uh, cope like I used to, like where you know, going out and having fun on the weekends at bars, clubs, or parties was necessarily just to have fun, but it was also to forget about a lot of things that were on my mind that I was stressing about. And so taking that productive avenue of, you know, talking to a professional and getting their unbiased perspective and talking about those things that I would have never spoken about to friends or family or anybody, it made it to where I could really be at peace with myself when it came to those things that I talked to the professional about, and it's something that I don't struggle, I don't struggle with nearly as much today. I'll say, you know, it's still something that I don't think ever goes away, but it's something mm-hmm. that I can live with and be content with. That's it, man. You articulated it perfectly. That's, that's kind of where I felt like my head wanted to go. And then like following up to that is that if you don't grieve or unload a lot of those things, then you, find a find escapism right like you just right. you find ways to just cope and and it is always there it's like so it's like as long as you know it's there that's that's getting like where you need to be right it's because like we don't arrive but if we get to a place of wisdom where we can identify that stuff before it overtakes us we might still have some escapism here and there it's happening but it diminishes over time right like the more right. you get more mature the more you you, you navigate and weed through or pull the weeds on all those things in life, process stuff, give stuff the attention it deserves. You had something tragic happen. You you can be strong, you could be tough, but it's all right to grieve and, and say, this sucks right now. Like not just, oh, I'm fine, I'll be fine. I'm just good, I'm good. No, and like you're not good and that's all right to admit it. And to just like be like right now kind of sucks, uh, but it will get better with time and just like having a, a realistic uh, view on on that we do have um, peaks and valleys in this life it's just meant to be that way <laughs> yeah and I think that you have to acknowledge it to be able to truly resolve it and get over it you know for the longest never 
uh, I was in denial about different things or didn't want to accept that certain things bothered me more than I wanted to let on that they did. Uh, that was when they lingered on for the longest. But then when I was finally able to sit down and say, I don't like that this happened. Uh, I'm not content with the way things are. You know, it, it hurts that this is going on in my life. Once I was able to acknowledge the effects it was having on me and look at it face to face, that was when I started to make that progress to where I could take the steps to move on from it, seeing why, you know, I might be struggling with it. Uh, what I needed to do as far as my own personal development to be able to get to the point to where that wasn't something that was, you know, as big of an issue for me anymore. But yeah, acknowledging it was that first step, actually. I guess you could say being man enough mm -hmm. to look at it and, and own it, I guess you could say. That's it, man. In a nutshell, you got to just face your fears. Do the do the um, uncomfortable parts because uh, you come out on the side feeling so much better because it'll always circle back if you don't. You can only bury, bury stuff so long. So. Yeah, well said, man. I totally agree. I feel like we're on the page on the same page about a lot of things. And um, it's just awesome to connect with you. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. I agree. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview with me. So I just oh, have likewise, I'm honored to, to be a guest. It's like super flattering you'd ask. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, from looking at your content and talking to you, I definitely figured it'd be a good fit. And from what we talked about so far, I definitely think that you offered a lot of value to the listeners. And one more thing that I like to ask uh, before we go ahead and wrap things up is what would you say is the first step you recommend for young men to take that are unfulfilled and unhappy with the life that they are living? Hmm. I would say therapy is a hard one to go to right away because it feels like zero to hundred when you're in that spot. But that is one of the most practical things because you can't get there without other people. If you try to do all this on your own, you're going to just hit a wall. You won't have the tools. So hearing you speak made it clear that like once you acknowledge that you didn't want to live like that anymore, then you take this action steps. How do you take action steps if you don't know how, where to go? You talk to someone who has experience in that area, right? then they equip you with the tools so you can process the stuff, right? So it's really, it's, it's that, it's that baby step of make, maybe doing one session um, and speaking to someone that'll give you the tool because otherwise, if you think you're just gonna read a book or watch some YouTube videos and you're gonna get there, those things will help. But I do think that like make a commitment to invest in yourself right away and know that this is going to make you a better man and a, a better friend and, and, and every dynamic in your life, every relationship. So you can't go wrong with this step. You have nothing to lose other than your pride and that it might be a little uncomfortable for you. But you're going to come out on the other side feeling affirmed and feeling better about who you are and confident who you are in, uh, you know, as a person. So I think that's the practical takeaway. If you were to do step one, wouldn't it be fine with good therapists? And you could even ask friends or family that you can find in for a referral. But again, whether you just search Google in your area or Yelp, um, just general therapy, you know, family counselor um, is typically some of the titles for that as well. Um, that would be the, the best first step because I could, I could say, you know, just 
dig deep and um, try to like read some self-help books, <laughs> um, go for a walk, but it's not enough. You know, um, I think that in tandem, as you pursue this, um, it, I'm not someone who has learned how to meditate yet, but I will say that journaling was something that um, I was surprised to find that I actually liked. Like I wasn't really that interested in the idea of it at all on the surface, but when I made it my own, just immediately like in the morning when I wake up or have coffee, just start writing my thoughts, like keep it to where it's like, it's on my terms that turned into like decades of, of writing, you know, and, and it's just, it can be in journal format. It could be like, I'm just I'm so anxious today. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I just feel stressed. Um, and then you, your, your mind starts wandering about work stuff. You cover that. You talk about some relationship stuff. So maybe you get deep into like, um, other issues about, you know, where you're at spiritually or like, Oh God, are you there? Or, or just talk, talk to whoever it is that, you know, you want to connect with um, until you do find that, that uh, clarity in that area of your life. Um, but I do think that there's something therapeutic about purging. There's something therapeutic about either vocalizing or writing it down there. It seems really simple, but whether that's in the form of therapy or like I said, at home early on, that's definitely the the practical steps that like, I'm not giving you too much right now because I feel like it's overwhelming. It's like, if you tell someone, oh, here's how you get shredded in 30 days, it's a nightmare. Okay. Like you don't want to go zero to a hundred. Like you want to take baby steps that are going to compound to give you a really amazing result over a period of time. So don't worry wherever you're at right now that you can just like tip your toe in the water and the rest will sort itself out. If you're just humble and you're open to just saying yes now. Okay, and so just to put it in a nutshell to make sure that uh, I'm understanding what you're saying, you would say that the first step would be to, I guess, acknowledge that you don't know everything or that you don't have it all together. And then from there, being humble enough to look to other people to fill in those gaps, you know, to give you that, that knowledge or advice that you might need, whether it's YouTube, therapy, etc and also whenever you're going through that process taking the time to do the journaling uh, so that way you can build that self-awareness to be able to, to be able to maybe eventually learn more about yourself and more about what you might be lacking or the pieces of the puzzle that aren't filled yet right yes and if you talk to a therapist they will most likely have book recommendations too if you're a reader um because they'll be able to just at least get a feel for where you're at and be like oh i just know this perfect book this this author just really speaks into that even better than I do, which I had happened to my therapist. I read books all, you know, alongside, like while it was happening, that were super helpful. So that's why I kind of point to the therapist because that's, that's the person who it's literally their profession to help us sort out these issues and to find, you know, the self-discovery, like I said, not just fill your head with things, but to lead you in a direction where you can become confident and mature in your emotional state and who you are as a person, because you're literally investing in yourself. It's not because you have a problem. You're just human. We all go through these things and it's not weird to go do that. And it's not because you're crazy or you're unstable. It's because you care about your life being, you want to thrive the rest of your life. You want to be in a thriving place. You want to feel happy, like make the most of this life. You can't do it if you're all hung up in your head or your heart. Right. So let's, let's clean that out. <laughs> And I also appreciate that you kind of touched on this, that you don't necessarily always have to go to therapy for something, you know, where it has you like on rock bottom or anything right. like that. You can, Tragedy or something. therapy isn't something you're getting 
uh, professional help isn't something you have to go to whenever something tragic happens in your Damage life. Damage control. Yeah. It could be, you know, proactive or you can do it for other things. You know, maybe if you're trying to get different results socially or maybe let's say in your career and you feel like here's some areas that you're missing or something where you aren't connecting all the dots, maybe going to a professional can help you with that instead of yeah. having to go, let's say if somebody dies or anything serious like that. Yeah. Or if you're even in a relationship right now and, and it's going awesome, go to therapy anyways. You'll be blown away about how much you'll learn about each other and it'll just make it, things even that better when, or it'll equip you for when things are in a worse season possibly because it will come. So yeah, it is absolutely preemptive or just wherever you're at, <laughs> you cannot go wrong. And if you don't, and if, if, if you don't connect or relate to that first therapist, don't be discouraged. Like we're all, like I said, wired differently and and you can just find the next one and you might be a perfect match. So don't, don't get discouraged there either. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. And so once again, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. I feel like we offered a lot of value. And so um, unless you have anything else to add, I think we're good to go. Good, good. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. Kamani, I can't wait to um, share and tell everyone in my network about it. Um, circle back when the time comes. I'm again, super grateful you'd have me and, and I just hope for anyone listening that um, you had an open mind and, and heart to this. And I just have the best of intentions with everything I say, I might not say everything right, because I'm still on the journey too. But uh, let's just humbly um, kind of figure out this life together. And I think uh, it starts with conversation like we just did. So if you guys uh, are interested in uh, finding me um, anywhere, my, my YouTube channel is just under my name, Weston Boucher. And uh, that's it. You know, we could try to get connected that way, social media and stuff like that, if you want to find me. All right. And y'all yeah, make sure to put the, the links to all of your information in the description too, for the, for the episode on the YouTube video. But yeah, cool. That wraps it that's up. Good. And so Thanks again. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm truly grateful. Yeah, me too. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye.